to his coming. You're listening to The Watchers of Westeros. I am the king! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep. I've also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debt. For the night is dark and full of terror. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Watchers of Westeros, a Game of Thrones podcast. Wow, what an episode this week. A little bit, little bit uh, calmer, a little bit, a little bit uh, toned down from last week, although still child murder. So, you know, there's that. It's not, it's not that calm of an episode. Um, and, and just like the Three-Eyed Raven, we're actually going to cut off the episode short from what you actually want to see. You know, we'll have a pretty good a pretty good discussion uh, for a little while, and then we'll just cut it off before we get to the really good stuff. Just like the Three Eyed Raven in, in in this episode. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, but we will be discussing the Game of Thrones episode Oathbreaker, the third episode of season six. Jon Snow alive after he dramatically took his first first breath at the end of last season, or his first breath of his new life, I guess we should say, uh, and. How much has he changed? Has he changed? We'll get into all that. Plus, like I mentioned, Bran, the Tower of Joy with the Three-Eyed Raven. Interesting stuff going on. Danny with, back with the Dothraki with the other widowed Khaleesi's. Uh, some interesting stuff in King's Landing. Interesting stuff in Bravos. Rickon Stark back in the fold. Sadly, Shaggy Dog has been killed, which was... Uh, which was bad and, and probably a sign of things to come for Rickon, who has now found himself in the care of Ramsay Bolton. And uh, Tyrion trying to have a little discussion with, uh, <laughs> with Grey Worm and Missandei, which was uh, quite the scene. Very, uh, very well done. Peter Dinklage, you know, he hasn't had that much to do this season, but every time he's on screen, he's just chewing up uh, screen time, doing really great stuff. You know? you know, last week he was acting against a green screen, this week he was acting against two actors who just who were playing characters who didn't want to talk to him, and it was basically, you know, he basically was acting against nothing twice, uh, which was uh, which was great, really great stuff. But we'll be getting into all that and so much more. But first, introductions are in order. If you are new to the show or you've forgotten who we are, my name is Dominic, and joining me, as he always does, it's my good friend and co-host, the award-winning Kieran Duggan. Hello again, Dominic, and it's another great episode of Game of Thrones that we'll be talking about today. I'm really enjoying season six, I have to say, at the mm-hmm. moment, Dominic, and I know it's not really the time to be doing a sort of season review, <laughs> but I, I kind of want to almost compare to, to last season with season five, and we I, we have talked about this a little bit before, about the fact that season five seems to be a little bit of a slow burn, but... Even in this episode, when you said at the opening that it was a, a bit calmer compared to last week's, which I think you, you, that, that, that's the correct assessment, but it, there's a lot still happened in this episode, didn't it? There's a, still a lot that we can so you know, chew on, so to speak, and, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. So, 
Uh, but I got no Facebook messages this time for for people who listened to last <laughs> last week's show. So no warnings. No warnings. So I, 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 there was no extra hype, but well, I feel like there was, there was still a lot of good stuff in this episode. Yeah, and I mean this this episode featured, I mean maybe this season's first disappointment, but it's hard to call it a disappointment because it, it was really just fan hype that that turned um, the the whole Tower of Joy sequence into a little bit of a disappointment. It's not even a disappointment in what we got. It's what we didn't get. It's the fact, as I, as I alluded to in the beginning that we were cut off from that scene. And and I think that's where we'll start, but we'll get there in just a second. I just want to uh, address something right off the top this week. Uh, We've gotten some, uh, some, some messages from, from folks uh, having difficulty uh, getting the show on iTunes. And for some reason, our show is no longer on iTunes. Uh, which is I- incredibly annoying uh, to us, and I'm sure even more so to you who are, who are listening. Uh, I think if you subscribed last season uh, through the app, Apple uh, Podcast app or whatever, you should still be getting the episodes, I hope. Uh, and the episodes are, are still available to stream through the Facebook page and, and, and stuff, so you can, you can still, uh, still listen to them. It's not like they're, they're completely missing, but iTunes is you know, where people mostly get their podcasts, and you know, I, I like to listen to podcasts. I have a commute to work, and that's that's when I listen to pod, podcasts. And, and so, I, I know that that is the the best place or the most frequently used place for where people get their podcasts. And so, um, hopefully, uh, sometime within the next seven days, we should be back on iTunes. Uh, it'll probably be a, a, a new feed that's specific to season six, um, but the season five stuff will still be available uh, online in this in the same place as always, and we'll probably upload the shows to both feeds for a little while as uh, as as we uh, deal with this this issue uh, but uh, our sincere apologies to everybody who's been trying to get the shows on iTunes uh, don't know what happened um, maybe because we did take a, a really long break between last season and this season maybe iTunes thought our show was dead uh, so we'll we'll resubmit to iTunes and hopefully hopefully they'll uh, approve us again I mean they did last time and <laughs> And uh, they have for all of our other shows, so there's there's no reason to assume they wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, so so again, apologies about that, and hopefully we we should have it fixed. Keep your eyes on the Facebook page for. They might have thought that, that we were dead, Dominic, but they probably didn't realize we were just Jon Snow in disguise. Yes, <laughs> and that and that we would be brought back for season six by Melisandre herself. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like I said, apologies, and hopefully that the situation should be rectified very very soon now let's get into oathbreaker and uh before we before we get into it karen let's just get your thoughts overall on this episode what do you think of of oathbreaker i thought it was a very appropriate name for this episode actually oathbreaker um and there's a lot of ways i think you can interpret it but a lot of the lot of the storylines in in this episode seemed to feed into that title you had, of course, the the Ramsey scene we'll come on to in a little bit, but uh, Lord Umber in that scene, I think, uh, was the embodiment <laughs> of, of, of breaking oaths. He just said it a lot more bluntly and, and perhaps a little less politely than I would have. Uh, <laughs> but I... I think this was a very good episode. You, you do have to have a bit of a breather, mm-hmm. but at the same token... 
there was a lot of stuff that was still revealed to us. We learned about the the flashback scene, which we'll get onto in a little bit, which I, I, I think was, was one of the iconic scenes from the episode. But I really enjoyed the Ramsey stuff with the reveal of Rick on Stark. I thought that was a big shock in this episode. And we got to see John again. Yeah. So it was nice for him to kind of be immersed back into Westeros and, 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 and his new role in that world. And we got to go back to Marine and, and Daenerys and, and, of course, visit King's Landing. So I feel like we went to most of the main quarters of Westeros or the, the quarters where the storyline is beginning to ramp up a little bit, so to speak. Particularly, yeah. I would say, in King's Landing in the North. I think those two storylines are really starting to heat up. I feel like the Daenerys and Marine storyline is still a bit of a slow burner. Yeah. And I feel and, like and there needs, there's still not quite that spark yet, which is going to you know, kind of generate chaos and disorder and, and, and all the stuff that we love about Game of Thrones <laughs> has yet to kind of happen in the east so to speak mm -hmm. what, what was your interpretation of the episode yeah i, I liked it uh, like i said i was hoping that we would see the full um the full uh tower of joy stuff but uh, unfortunately that was not meant to be for this episode although we did get a pretty great fight out of it between uh between ned stark how great was it to have him back even if it wasn't sean bean uh and sir arthur dane uh plus i always always enjoy uh, seeing bran and the and the three-eyed raven max Wancito. Uh, continually doing a great job. Uh, I was very happy to have Sam back. Sam and Gilly, they were, uh, they, they're they're always fun, uh, even if they were kind of a bit of a, a bit of a check in this week. I mean, we didn't really. Their story was advanced a little bit, but it was more in terms of setting things up for for next week. It, 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 but it, but look, anytime we get those guys, I'm I'm happy. Uh, but yeah, the the Danny and Marine stuff is is a little bit of a slow burn. I'm interested to see how long they play some of this stuff out. For, like Danny with the the Dothraki widows and um, and all of the marine stuff with the uh, with the other cities that are um, basically funding the Sons of the Harpy, which uh, I, I mean, how long are they going to how long are they going to play that play that out? I mean, if it were a last season, I would say okay, well, you know, that both of those storylines will wrap up around episode nine, episode ten. But this season, things have been moving at a much faster pace. I mean, just look at what's been going on with Jon Snow; uh, he went from being dead to alive to leaving the night's watch within a, within a span of three episodes. I mean, that's the fastest game of Thrones has ever moved on anything. Uh, and, and then of course, yeah, the, the stuff in King's landing has been great. Uh, Bravos Winterfell, all, all of that stuff has been, uh, has been really, it's been really strong. I, I wouldn't, I, I, I think I liked last week's episode better, uh, but this episode was still a, a, a strong, strong addition. Uh, but let's start with uh, with uh, the with Bran and the Beyond the Wall stuff with the Three Eyed Raven and the flashback to young Ned Stark. How great was it to have Ned Stark back? Even like I said, even if it wasn't Sean Bean, it was pretty. It was pretty great to have Ned back just for uh, just for this flashback. And the guy they had playing him did a, a pretty uh, pretty admirable job. I mean, you have to you have to fill in for Sean Bean, so that's uh, that's not an easy task. But he did a uh, did an admirable job. But we saw this. Um, Basically, it's the end of Robert's Rebellion. Um, Ned has arrived at the Tower of Joy with Howland Reed and a bunch of other fighters. Uh, and they're going to go in to rescue Lyanna. And we get this, this fight where, um, you know, Bran and I assume everybody always heard that, you know, Ned defeated Arthur Dane in the fight. Just, just beat him fair and square. 
like uh, like the Ned Stark that we knew from season one. But as we saw, Ned was going to lose that fight, and basically they won because Howland Reed stabbed Arthur Dane in the back. Um, and and this was this so this was the big takeaway from this sequence in this episode is that Ned Stark may not have been the honorable man that we thought he was. Did did this did this flashback change your impression of Ned in a significant way? It certainly changed the perception of Ned, but not in a massive way. I don't look at Ned now and feel, oh, he is completely dishonorable. This moral code, this upstanding code that so many people feel Ned adhered to is a lie. I, the way I look at it is, is, is how David Benioff talked about it in, in the Inside the Episode video that was released on the Game of Thrones YouTube channel. And he said a little bit what you're talking about, the, the kind of mythology of Ned Stark throughout this world had been punctured as a result of what happened in this scene. But it was at the end of a rebellion, you know, that they, they got rid of the Mad King, Rhaegar Targaryen, as Ned said here, was underneath the ground. They were both dead and they'd been fighting a long war. So Ned had the decision that he had to either do the honourable thing or the right thing, if that makes sense. And I know they kind of perhaps could be one of the one of the same. But, you know, when I say right thing, I mean, you know, if he didn't kill him, what would have happened then? You know, it's kind of leaving things to chance. And I think sometimes we've seen in Game of Thrones that mercy can only get you so far. And Ned was one of the first to go, even though he was seemingly the most honorable man in Westeros. Maybe that's a point, you know, case in point. The fact he was so honor-bound at that point, it, some people would argue, is what got him killed in the first place. You know, a bit like Rob Stark, yeah. the fact that he was so trusting of individuals is what got him killed. So now and then you have to do what what is necessary. Um, but yeah, and I think the other interesting point of what you were kind of highlighting a bit there is this kind of discrepancy between the, the received history as... as um, David Wise talked about it um, and what actually happened so Bran actually learned in this scene that the story he was told wasn't true as we uh, you know and and we talked about it from the Ned angle but I'll throw the question to you Dominic what about Bran's perspective on this all and obviously in in conversation with the the three-eyed raven there and you know Bran said yeah but my father beat him that, that's what he said. That's what the stories were. And then the Three-Eyed Raven said, well, is that true? So what? how is this going to change Bran's perspective on the history of the world? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think Bran is in for a lot of shocks about the history. And I think that's what's really cool about these flashbacks is he's going to get an opportunity to uh, re-examine. He and the audience are going to get a chance to re-examine uh, what we believe is the truth uh, of why of how Robert's rebellion ended and, and the history of this world and, and the people in this world. And, you know, we, we learn, you know, we've been slowly over the past few seasons over the, the entire run of the series, learning more and more about what went down in those, in those fights in that, in that war between uh, uh, Robert, Robert's, in Robert's rebellion between with, with him and the mad King and 
all of the horrible things that happened and, and it's slowly been revealed and and you know we've always known that you know it, it ends with Jamie Lannister killing the Mad King turn cha- changing sides basically um, you know Robert ultimately wins the day with the help of Ned and you know they kill all of the evil Targaryens but even you know you go back to last season we started to learn some more about about Rhaegar Rhaegar Targaryen who uh, supposedly um, kidnapped and, and raped Lyanna although you know and this is the you know the theory maybe maybe he didn't maybe it was consensual maybe it was maybe it resulted in uh in their uh, their child uh who would ha- then have a claim who would uh, a, a legitimate child who would then have a claim on the throne who's uh may have just come back to <laughs> who may have just come back to life uh last week um you know so we're we're starting to learn more and so you know we're having both of our, both our opinions of the targaryens which we always assumed they were like the bad guys they were all like Ares. they were all the mad king um but you know come to find out from sir barristan last season you know no rhaegar was a good guy rhaegar was a nice a nice fellow and you know ned who we've always viewed as extremely honorable as as the most honorable man in westeros well you know he had to win this fight with the help of howland reed stabbing a guy in the back which you know he always which i mean you know jamie lannister you know, he talked about how, you know, he, he stabbed the king in the back, you know, out of, uh, you know, in, in that moment. And then, you know, Ned Stark saw him and basically never forgave him, always viewed him as dishonorable. And what does Ned do here? He, he wins a fight because his buddy stabs a, a guy a guy in the back. And and that whole fight scene and, and this, again, to, to tie it in with the Jamie Lannister stuff, you know, the way that that played out with Howland Reed was kind of reminiscent of Ned and Jamie's fight back in season one, where that, um, that other Lannister man mm-hmm. sort of comes in out, out of nowhere and stabs Ned, Ned through the, through the leg, thus ending the fight, that, that fight that we'd been waiting all season to see. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, we're, what we've, what we've been seeing over the course of the show, and I think the show and, and the series are, are preparing us for the fact that, you know, what we believed in the beginning is is partially true but it's not the whole truth and there's a lot more to these characters that we we followed than and and the history and their personal histories than we we know and that it's a lot it's a lot more complicated and a lot more layered than we thought it was back in season one and and just about ned i don't think that he uh i don't think that this really changes my opinion of him all that much i I, you know maybe it changes brands a little bit but I always viewed Ned as someone who would do just about anything for his family. You know, if his family is in danger, mm. that's when he's going to help them. I mean, think he admitted to, you know, those crimes that he thought he never that, that he never committed because he didn't want to have to have Sansa and Arya and, and, and witness his death and have uh you know his his children grow up without a far- father even though he told Varys earlier in, in season one I, I i'm not afraid to die i i'm willing to die for this and then Varys reminded him ah but you got kids you got these kids that would then have to grow up without a father and so he was willing to um you know sacrifice his beliefs and sacrifice this this mission that he was on for the good of the realm for his children and so Ned's always been that that family family man, the guy who will do anything for his family, and so I think that's what we're seeing here. You know, he knows that Lyanna is in the tower. He knows that he's that she's in some kind of pain. Now, what type of p- 
pain that is again <laughs> is something we'll probably find out later this season uh is she is she dying is she giving birth is she you know what is what is she she he knows she's in pain so he's got to get there and i mean I've, you know been alluding to it you know with the, the assumption is that you know, R plus L equals J will be pro- uh, proven true this season. And that we'll learn that Jon Snow is not Ned Stark's bas- bastard, but he is the, the son of Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen. And that um, Rhaegar didn't actually kidnap and, and rape Lyanna, but they basically ran off together. And so Rhaegar, so that uh, uh, Jon would be their legitimate child and have a claim on the throne. And uh, the other thing, the thing to keep in mind here is that even if Ned knows this to be true, even if he knows that Lyanna is in there uh, with uh, Rhaegar's child, if Ned loses the fight because he's honorable and he's being honorable, then Robert's going to come. Robert's going to come down here to end this. He's going to try and get Lyanna back. And Robert is not, not always the most rational guy. And he would not want there to be some uh you know he he would probably if he found out the truth about liana and rhaegar he would probably kill rhaegar kill liana and probably kill their baby you know he had no problem uh uh, signing the order to kill danny in season one so you know ned is he is ultimately you know his sister is in trouble what that trouble is uh or what that pain is um he may not know we may not know um so he's ultimately he's he's doing he 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 commits this less than honorable vic, uh, act and gets the victory but it's it, his his reasons i think are are just in in this scenario he's doing it for his family and not in a weird uh not in a weird uh, you know uh i'm trying to think not in a weird like walter white kind of doing this for my family i'm cooking meth for my family kind of way <laughs> in a in a in a quite in a quite an honorable way he's trying to to save his sister so i i, I think I I, I I this doesn't change my my opinion of ned stark all that much you know it, it it the only the only time it really changes my opinion of him is the way he treats jamie because you know jamie lannister becomes a very sympathetic character and part of the reason is because of the way ned treated him when really he did the right thing by killing the mad king yeah Exactly, it's it's kind of the hypocrisy there. I think is is, is what people can criticise Ned for. But I agree with you. I, it doesn't really change my perception of Ned as a character. Um, and just another point that I wanted to make quickly on that scene um, before I talk about another little key moment in that scene, which is the Brand shouting his father's yeah. name. But the the way that Brand talked about this, is why I was talking about this perspective from Brand uh, about what what has happened with his dad. Um, he says, oh, the, the guy stabbed him in the back. And I'm obviously reading this probably far too much, but in a way, it's almost just the tone of how he said it seemed to be quite emblematic of how he emotionally feels, really, in the sense that his father told him one thing, and yet when he's standing there, Bran, that is, watching Ned fighting this this well this respected knight sir arthur dane and it doesn't pan out the way bran had imagined it particularly as a child to her father it's going to hit you a little bit harder than it would the natural individual 
Not to say that it means that Brand's whole perception of Ned's now going to change, but I think at least at this point, as I think you you have already mentioned, it's going to change his own uh, Brand's perspective on the history of Westeros and and this idea of initially thinking he he knew what what was going on based on received history, but then actually standing there at the moment watching it all play out. Um, and as the as this Free-eyed Raven said that he must learn everything. So he's going to learn a lot about what's what's gone on in the past. But I'll throw a question to you now, Dominic. What about that moment when Bran calls out Father and Ned turns around to see no one there? But, but first of all, did... Ned here, Brand there, or was it as the free-eyed Raven said? It might have just been the wind. It might have just been the wind. Yeah, and that's that's. You know, this is something we we talked about a little bit last week with the the theory that Brand will somehow be responsible for Willis becoming Hodor, and that you know we may be you know we're dealing with this time travel, and how into. You know, how much are they actually there? Is it like in Harry Potter with the with the pensive or the pensive or however it's pronounced where, you know, you go into the memory and you're just kind of there and people can like reach through you and stuff? Or are they actually physically in some way? Can they actually interact with the scene, with the history that they're watching and change history? And it would seem that from, you know, Bran calling out to his father in that way and and ned turning around you would think he can actually interact with the physical uh world of these memories and, and so that raises a, a lot of interesting questions and i'm surprised that the three-eyed raven wouldn't um you know tell him right then and there yeah don't do that that's bad you can change history you know it, it's it's a bad thing um you know this you know maybe it's like doctor who they need they, there needs to be some fixed points in time uh, and this should be one of them. Um, but you know, if, if he, uh, if he is, uh, I think, I think he's there. I'm surprised that they're keeping it vague. I think that might've been something that, that should have been taught to brand before he does some real damage, which you would think if this is a, a plot line, if this is a story that we're going to be following, uh, for this season, then, then, you know, you think that he's going to have to do some damage in some way to learn this lesson. I, I you know, I, I don't, but I don't know why. Just from an in-universe perspective, the Three-Eyed Raven wouldn't say, "Hey, don't, please, don't, don't, don't do that." Um, so I, I think he, I think Ned heard something, and as Brand's powers, perhaps as Brand's powers grow, he'll become uh, more and more um, entrenched in these actual memories in a physical sense. Whereas right now, maybe as his powers are kind of weak and, and he's still learning, he's there more in a to service. He's just kind of a, a, a witness to this stuff. Whereas in the future, maybe he'll be able to interact with it and change change history. Go all back to the future on 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 his parents. Yeah, that could be something, couldn't it? It's interesting. The Three-Eyed Raven's words were, the, the past is written, the ink is dry. But you know those metaphors that he, he's using there. I mean, that's still not suggesting that the past can't be changed. <laughs> you can rewrite 
if he wants to use an analogy of you know using ink on a page you can rewrite on a page so you know i think it is a kind of alluding to the fact that you can rewrite history and that's something that brand's going to have to learn because he's only said something now we have it, it's weird because i don't know the extent to which his his power works in that world I, have we seen people like walk through him we've seen people like looking through him uh-huh. because he's not there i can in, in the last episode I think it was um, one of the one of the. Uh, it might have been Benjamin Stark or, or or Ned who looked through him to see Hodor, mm-hmm. but Bran obviously was seemingly anonymous because he didn't say anything. So is it the power of words? Is that what mm. makes people more alert to your presence? It's going to be interesting to see how it all works. But as you say, as we both said, you know, it's episode three of season six now. But give it a couple of episodes. <laughs> Brand's going to mess up at some point, big yeah. time. He has to. But as you say, I'm surprised that the Free-Eyed Raven hasn't explicitly stated this or explicitly taught Brand at this stage. He's yeah. kind of leaving him to his own devices for the most part and only stepping in when he has to. So maybe it's going to be a point where the Free-Eyed Raven just dissipates or something at some point. I'd be interested to see what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, they keep telling him he's not going to stay there forever. He's not going to stay in the... the in the Dagobah tree um, forever. It, it, it looks like, you know, he's going to have to go back to the real world at some point. So we'll, we'll have to see, we'll have to see where that leads us. Now uh, let's, let's move on. Let's go to the wall where the episode begins. And Jon Snow having just woken up, he uh, gets to talk to, to Davos and talk to uh, Melisandre and, you know, Davos, gives him a little pep talk uh, and Melisandre asks him you know, about the afterlife and John says there's nothing. So you know, one of the things we talked about is how is John going to change from this? Is he going to change? You know, Beric Dondarrion said he changed every time he was brought back. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things again, to go reference that uh, inside the episode thing, they, that they, the video that, that um, Benioff and Weiss did, you know, they talk a little bit about, you know, he's had to, he has to come to terms with this and, and with the fact that there, one, there is no afterlife and two, that he's been given this second chance. And so later in the episode, he hangs the, um, the, the traitors, the mutineers, the, you know, Sir Alistair, Ollie, and the other, the other guys who stabbed him at the end of last season. He hangs them and kills them. And then he gives the, uh, he gives command of Castle Black to Ed and says, my watch has ended and walks away. Uh, what what did you make of of John's uh, of John's um, well his his transformation I guess in a, in a in a subtle way Do you think he changed or is he still very much the same John Snow we've always known I, I think he has but we just haven't detected it yet As you say I think it's going to be quite a subtle change Ed mentioned it at the beginning when John is almost paraded out to everyone in in Castle Black and. It's a, he says it in a joking tone and says, you sure that's still you in there? <laughs> but uh, he says it more than once. I think that's a kind of message or a bit of foreshadow there about the fact that John is going to be a changed man. And I think it's almost, uh, I'll say almost, it's very much reflected at the end of the episode by the fact that John hands over the, the reins, so to speak, to Ed and says, you are now in charge of Castle Black. My watch has ended, my vows 
are no longer I, I no longer adhere to them which is you know he he's done his duty mm-hmm. and he's not really breaking any oaths which is actually quite ironic <laughs> because uh, people may look at that and think oh John's breaking his oaths but uh, I think it was more the traitors of the Night's Watch who yeah. were breaking their oaths to be honest and you know his uh, his you know his his vows state that his you know he's released from his oath upon his death and technically he died which you know <laughs> it, it is it is a bit of uh you know that is kind of a loophole that i'm sure nobody ever thought of uh and, but <laughs> that's gonna have to be in a new inscription isn't it <laughs> yeah shall not end upon my death or my second death or my third death <laughs> you know <laughs> um but it, or my it, resurrection or my resurrection upon my resurrection i am once again rebound to these vows uh, you know that this is why we have you know this is why the iTunes agreement is so long nowadays. <laughs> it's because they have to put in contingencies for first resurrections, second resurrections, third resurrections, all that. <laughs> um, but it, but yeah, it, it's you know I I think I I wonder I think the change that we've seen so far in him is just it's kind of you know it's it's what uh, Benioff and Weiss were talking about that it is. You know, the fact that he he doesn't quite understand. He doesn't understand life anymore. You know, he's been brought back. He was dead. And he still has those scars. I mean, you know, he's still got the the knife wounds are still a part of him. They always will be. Um, But so he's dead. He he died. Uh, And then he came back. So he like I said, he has to deal with both trying to understand that and try and understanding the fact that there is no afterlife. And, And so with those two things in mind, you know, you could almost see how he would feel that being at Castle Black is wasting his life. I mean, that's a very understandable, that's an understandable opinion to have, even if you haven't been resurrected, you know, that's a very understandable opinion because, you know, for the longest time, you know, the White Walkers haven't been a threat for forever. Now you're just basically in these like little skirmishes with wildlings. That's really what it's being. And, and even when we were beyond the wall, this was either in season two or season three. I can't remember when, but, but John was talking to one of the Rangers and, you know, the Ranger was going through all of this noble stuff about, you know, why they do what they do. And then he basically says, yeah, but that's all a lie. That's just stuff we tell ourse- ourselves so that we can sleep at night. And, and so this idea that the night's watch and, and this, this life that he's living there is just, a uh, uh, uh a falsehood is is um is understandable it, 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 you know it, it, you know once you know one somebody who's had way more experience there than he did, ever did um combined with the fact that now he's like i said he's been to the other side and realized there is no other side uh it's just this and and, and so he's going to go off and, and try and figure that out and and how is how he's going to figure that out what he's going to do that's the question is, is where does he go from here? And, and you know, I, I think he, he will eventually come around. He'll, I think we're going to deal with an episode or two of John just like drinking himself silly and, and just kind of, you know, dealing with the fact that uh, of how messed up this is and, and, and what is he supposed to do? But eventually he's going to be reminded, um, maybe not so much of his like vows or anything, but of the fact that there is that white Walker army army that's out there. And, and at some point he's going to have to try and make a difference and hopefully he'll be reunited with Sansa. Hopefully, you know, maybe it'll be a combination of Sansa and maybe, and Brienne or little finger, maybe little finger will get involved somehow. I think we know, we know he's, he's back next week, right? Uh, yes. If you have seen a preview. 
yeah, so you know, it, you know, maybe he can help uh, help John uh, understand things, and, and uh, you know, we are going to have to deal with the the battle for Winterfell, this this um, showdown between John and 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 Ramsay, which will be uh, which will be very very interesting, and hopefully that maybe that will provide John with uh, a sense of purpose and a, and you know a recommitment to the fight for uh, for good, as as uh, as Maz Kanata says in the Force Awakens, the only fight against the dark side you know something the equivalent to that exactly so we got a, a, a lot to learn with Jon Snow uh, what did you make though of the return initially in in the sense that as we said there was only subtle changes but you didn't find it uh, I don't know I I like... I'm always gonna be a bit devil's advocate here but Jon Snow came back and he seemed pretty all right for someone who has just come back from the dead. If well, you know what I mean? I mean, he seemed pretty all right, but he was also, I mean, I think Kit Harrington did a very good job in this episode of portraying him as, as very confused. You know, he, he, you know, you know, the, the line is, you know, nothing, Jon Snow in this episode. He felt that he felt that he knew less than nothing. And I, I think Harrington did a really good job at portraying that. And, you know, there is kind of a, a sense of, I think you get a bit of a sense of relief at, at times, you know, when he sees Ed or when he sees Tormund, but it also a, a really a sense of not knowing what is going on. Why am, why am I here? And, and so I think that might just be the change is, is, um, it, 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 you know, I, I don't, I, if there is any sort of deeper, deeper change than just him having to grapple with the realities of life. I, I don't think that's something we're going to see immediately. I, you know, we don't actually know when Beric Dondarrion started noticing these changes within him. We don't actually know any of that. And, and so, you know, how this works is still very vague. You know, you could come back and, you know, seem fine for a couple of weeks, but eventually people will start to notice little things and you know, it'll probably be the little things that will slowly build up into one big thing that is, um, very on Jon Snow like and and we'll have to you know that again I think this is uh you know Game of Thrones they're they're taking the they're playing the long game um just maybe not as long as they used to you know not as long as it would have been last season where you know that would have happened at the very end of the season whereas this season I could see that being a, a couple of episodes from now but I think we are eventually going to be building to some sort of reveal like that yeah I I agree. It can't just be Jon Snow's back and everything's fine and back to normal. It's, it is good to see, at least mentally, he seems to be okay. Same old, old Jon. <laughs> I mean, it's not as if he came back and he couldn't speak again. Or he had to <laughs> learn the language of English or something. Or Westeros, whatever. What the other language tongue. would be called in Westeros? The common tongue, I believe, is what they, what they call common it. Common tongue. Yeah. There we go. But yeah. In layman's terms. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's at the wall. Oh, well, actually, one more thing at the wall. Um, the execution scene. What did you think of that with uh, Alistair and Ollie and, and the other guys? Oh, that was, a, that was a fulfilling moment, wasn't it? It's about time they got their comeuppance. And we did talk about this last week, I think. We had a little bit of a prediction about the fact John was going to be the one to execute them. Uh-huh. Uh, didn't okay. know it would happen in this fashion. I didn't expect them to be all kind of strung up uh-huh. as a kind of public display, but it does make sense really because it's not just about the fact that these 
were traitors to John, but they were traitors to the Night's Watch and they needed to be made an example of. And yeah. they certainly were made an example of. The fact there was a, no matter your feelings of Ollie, he's only a, what, he's 10, a 11 child. year old. Yeah. Although he's, he seems like he's 14, <laughs> 15 now, but he's aged a lot since he killed someone. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's what, that's what killing people does to you. No, but I, I saw some people joking, you know, it's, Ollie seemed to age a year in the span of 12 hours, you know, because of the, because of the season, uh, the season break. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I was, were you hoping for maybe a little bit more closure with Ollie? Were you hoping for something a little bit more from, uh, from, from that? Because, you know, John gives all those guys the chance for their last words. And, you know, the first two guys, they say kind of interesting, but kind of dopey cliched stuff. Um, Sir Alistair, I thought that was a great way for him to go out. That was, you know, he 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 remained very much himself, uh, and and he, in a way, he kind of got the last word on on John there. Although, you know, John hung him next. Uh, whereas Ollie just didn't say anything; he was silent. And I was, I was almost hoping for a scene between John and Ollie because, you know, at, at one time they did appear to be close. Um, you know, Ollie was going to be a steward and it was almost seemed like, um, John was preparing him, prepping him to maybe be a, in a leadership role one day. Um, and then, you know, he turned on him uh, and I was almost hoping for some kind of, uh, closure between those two, but you know what? It's, it's game of Thrones. You don't always get that because that's not the way reality works. Well, I guess from an in universe perspective, Ollie and and John certainly ended on extremely bad terms. Ollie was the one who who stabbed him in the heart, as John yeah. highlighted at the beginning of the episode. That was the one name that that John stated at the beginning. And I guess that that didn't need to be any words. I I didn't have a problem with the fact that Ollie didn't say anything. No, I, I mean I didn't, I didn't from an hour universe perspective, it. I I think it's probably because he's broken his voice or something because <laughs> we haven't heard him say anything this season yeah he, he kind of screamed at one point <laughs> and and charged but really yeah he hasn't said much yeah maybe maybe that's what happened his voice dropped <laughs> between seasons they're like and it's a bit like oh crap. Huh, hmm. we have to get rid of him then. <laughs> yeah i can't really can't really use him anymore uh but, but yeah but no, no, I'm joking. I, yeah i i wasn't disappointed i was just kind of that would have been something i, I maybe would have liked to have seen yeah, I, I I can understand that, but as you say, we don't always get the happy ending. So it's not really a happy ending, but we don't always get closure. I think is probably the appropriate term to use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's move on from there to let's go, let's go to um, let's let's talk about what's what's going on with Danny. Um, what what have you made of of uh, what did you make of what we saw with her and and the other um, Khaleesi widows? Uh, I mean, in terms of the notes I've got here, the, uh, I've literally got about two lines for the scene. <laughs> I mean, I didn't find it the most entertaining. The thing is with what's going on here, and I think it's partly because of the trailer and kind of knowing that at some point Drogon's going to show up, I don't really know how invested I am in what's going on with the Dothraki at this point. I don't know where this story's going to go. I want I want to see something kind of happen because since Daenerys has been imprisoned she's just been walking around and in this scene 
yeah, they're kind of just reiterating what was already said. Yes, we learned something new about the fact that, okay, she's in this temple, but she may not be completely safe in this temple because of the fact that she has gone out into the outside world and that, you know, once the car has been killed, that's forbidden and all this stuff. But let's be honest, do we ever really think she was safe there anyway? I don't know how necessary it was to have the exposition there, but I guess it's, she, Danny's now in her place. She's there in, in the lands of the horse Lords. Yeah. I say from a visual perspective, I thought the CGI was fantastic, but in terms of the content of the scene, I'm just not so invested. And also, where where's Jorah and at the moment, you know? And, and, <laughs> well, and, I you think know, we'll, we'll be seeing I, that. Because I, I, I feel like their roles now are being a bit wasted. They're supposed to be hunting or finding. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather... And, you know, we, we got to the fourth episode, and we'll, we, I think we'll see them next week, but yeah. I'm just a bit... Well, I, I'd Maybe rather... I'm being harsh, but come oh. on, Dominic. Cheer I, I, me up with this scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it, the, the, the Danny stuff has really kind of, kind of grind to a halt ever since she got on Drogon's back and flew away. I mean, really, we could have gone right from the end of last season to this with just maybe one scene in between. You know, it, it doesn't, I, you know, we didn't need this. Didn't need to be in the third episode. This could have been in the first or second episode, very, very, very easily. Um, so I, 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 I yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on, on that. Uh, but with the with the Jorah and, and Dario stuff, you know, I, I'm cl- kind of glad that the, we haven't been checking back in with them uh, this this season, uh, with the exception of that one uh, scene in the first episode, which was really just exposition, and, and again was not totally necessary. I don't think. I, I think uh, you know it's better to uh, wait until we actually have something for these characters to do and then have them do it instead of just um in uh instead of just checking in with them for the sake of oh well we got a jar a jorah and dario scene this week you know i i'd rather wait until there's uh you know actually something for them to do oh i agree that that i think it was me expressing it so well but what i meant was i want to see the story ramp up and i know it sounds almost <laughs> funny for me to criticize this because i've been so happy with the fact that most of the other stories have been you know kind of heating up so to speak but i want something to happen in the storyline like so the as you say jorah and dario can then get involved i just feel like we're getting to the fourth episode now and nothing's happened with the whole storyline not just with jorah and dario but i feel they're part of the Daenerys storyline so to speak so I just want something to happen there <laughs> so I yeah I, I'm not saying that I feel we should check in with them and see what they're doing or where they are I'm just saying that over the course of this season we haven't seen much of them at all and I want to see more of them and I want to see something happen to warrant that so I just feel like um, maybe maybe something big will happen next episode and then I will rescind it all I, it's, that, this is one of the difficulties as we know with s- watching a show on an episode by episode basis one of the limitations is you don't get that overarching big picture and at the moment I'm just finding it very unclear as to where they're really going with this story um, you know because at the moment the way I, I'm perceiving it is that at some point Drogon's going to come burn down a lot of this stuff take Danny with him 
and then Jorah and Daria arrive there and Daenerys is gone again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds cliched, but I just don't want that to happen. I want something big to happen. Sure. Yeah, um, that, you can you can definitely see uh, that being the way the story plays out. But hopefully hopefully things will pick up uh, next week or in the in the in the weeks to come uh, as we as we go forward. I I would hope that it's not just uh, Drogon rescues her because that would be kind of lame. I, I hope that there's a reason that that's she's already been back. done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I hope that there's a reason that she's back with the Dothraki. I hope there's a lesson to be learned here and an important one that she can use when she gets when she begins her her journey to Westeros. Hopefully, at the end of this season or beginning of next. Uh, but I, 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 I hopefully they'll teach her to actually go to Westeros. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. they'll teach her how to read a map. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you need to go that way, then that way, then that way, and you'll be there. Great, thanks. Bye. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so. I, I, I hope that there's a reason for this, um, and we're not just, you know, just killing time with Danny while all the other storylines progress. Uh, but let's talk about what's going on in Marine without Daenerys, uh, Varys. We see Varys in this episode talking to uh, Vala, uh, one of the women who uh, is allied with the Sons of the Harpy, who we saw last season killing uh, or helping uh, the Sons of the Harpy kill the Unsullied. Um, and we see Varys like in action, doing doing his thing and, and basically uh, buying information from her. And, and uh, you know, I mean, just what a great scene. I mean, that that was I, I really, really loved that scene. What, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was a surprising one. And we haven't actually seen Varys do this before. Wow. This is all of the behind-the-scenes stuff where Varys would usually, how, how a scene like the, the Tyrion one did in Marine would play out is, yeah, we would have the Tyrion moment, and then Varys would come in and just say his spiel about, oh, my little bird said this. But we because we had the scene just before Varys entered the room, it was like, oh, we sort of know how that played out. So it was quite interesting to see the inner workings and then the machinations of Varys. And it's extremely different to how someone like Littlefinger, I think, would have played that scene out, uh-huh. you know. Well, in some respects. Um, but I, I feel like Littlefinger would perhaps be more direct and, and almost threatening, whereas Varys was saying, no, I want a happy ending for you and your child. And, you know, that, the way the way I get my information is by making people happy, I think was a line he said. And it really did play out that way. Um, and it, w- it was good to see that character actually come back who we talked to, um, Valar, because it, it actually gave that scene a bit of substance. It wasn't just some random person who we haven't seen yet. And again, the preview for next episode, it looks like we're going to see more, you know, I don't know, expendable elitist people, <laughs> you know, who are going to come in and... and state their grievances whereas this time we actually were like oh yeah we have seen this person before so we know what she's already done and then virus was kind of saying his spiel so yeah i i agree i really enjoyed this scene but what did you really enjoy about it because obviously well, yeah well I, you I said mean, you're a big fan yeah well i mean i just i think the virus character is is is, is great i think conleth hill does such a great job uh portraying him and and, and just to, like you said to see him in action you know you know usually Usually this is something that would happen off screen and, and Varus would just, you know, come in with that information. Just he would just happen to have. A- and so I thought to actually see how he gets his information was a really um was really fun for a change. I thought I thought that was uh that was well done and, and I liked that he you know, he was he was nice about it. He was uh 
He was good about it. He wasn't, like you said, he, he wasn't Littlefinger. Um, he didn't torture anybody or anything. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't anything like that. He just, uh, he just got the information by being a nice guy. And I thought that was, I thought that was cool. Um, but we do learn that, uh, that the Sons of Harpy, they are basically being sponsored by the leaders of Astapor, Yunkai, and Volantis, who are uh, other, uh, other cities, other slaver cities. Uh, and there's some debate about what they should do. Uh, wh- where do you think this is going? Wh- where do you think that Tyrion would get them into a war? Because war, you know, Ty- we know Tyrion can can work with war. We saw that in season two, but that's not really his uh, his style, is it? I don't think that's what Tyrion wants to do. He seems to be pushed in a lot of directions from Grey Worm, um, and I keep forgetting that female character, Missandei. Missandei, um, that's it. I'm gonna write that down. Um, so with Grey Worm and Missandei, they're both saying, you know, there's only one language these masters know, and we have to, you know, give it to them, so to speak. They're talking about force of arms, military campaigns, etc. Whereas Tyrion and Varys kind of sit on a different fence, and they're more political machinations, working behind the scenes, compromise, negotiate. That's kind of their style. I think what's going to happen with the Marine storyline is going to be a bit of a catalyst for getting Daenerys from the east to the west. I think they will get pushed out Marine. I think there are too many forces against them now. We talked about the ships being burned, the masters are sponsoring, you know, the masters from, what was it, Astapor, from um, a- Yunkai, a- Valantis, yeah. all of these places, they're now rallying together and sponsoring the Sons of Harpy. They're pushed in a lot of directions here, and Marines becoming as much a prison as a fortress now. So I, I kind of think they're going to get out and they're going to be forced to head west. That's how I... And I think they'll meet up with Danny that way. That would, what do you think? Do you think that's a possibility? That they would basically have to surrender the city to, to the to the slavery? To evacuate it, yes. Huh. That would be interesting. That would be... Um, you know, that, that, that in a way... I, I mean, the whole point of of marine and, and and all this all this stuff is is to prove that these characters are capable of ruling and uh you know in, in less than ideal situations where people are against them and and westeros is a big place you know they it's the seven kingdoms it's a it's a it's a large uh it's a it's a large place and and you know to be king or queen in danny's case um, is is not an easy task, and there's always going to be people that are uh, against it. You know, we even uh, you know we, we've talked about Robert's rebellion uh, that succeeded in overthrowing a, a, a dynasty with with the Targaryens, but there was also the Greyjoy rebellion where where Balin Greyjoy tried to overthrow um, overthrow Robert. Um, there was just we just went through the War of the Five Kings where four different people said hey no 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 this joffrey guy shouldn't be king i should be king and 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 you went through this uh that whole ordeal there's always going to be people who are are gunning for their 
their position. And if, if Danny plans to break the wheel, as she said last season, I don't think that her and her entourage of Forrest, Grey uh, Worm, Missandei, and Tyrion can really just run away when things get tough. I think they're going to have to stick this through and, and figure out a solution. And I think that's some, somewhere where Tyrion is going to come in very handy. And it's kind of strange that this is all happening with Danny away because you would think this is something she would need to learn from Tyrion and Varys. That's the point of those two characters being with her, right? Is to advise mm-hmm. her and to teach her. And 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 you know, I mean, she doesn't she doesn't have experience ruling. She she grew up, uh, you know, she only she spent a brief amount of time in Westeros, but before the 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 war, and then she uh, and then she was living in Pentos. You know, she she does she doesn't have this experience ruling, whereas people like Tyrion. And, and Varus have been involved in this sort of thing for a very, very long time. And, and so, you know, you, I think she's going to be, she needs to be involved in this, um, in, in the closure on this in some way. And it's got to be some kind of uh, thing that her and her posse come up with together, but it's ultimately her decision. I, I don't think they can just turn, turn coat and run at this point. I think that would be, um, I think that would be a mistake on the character's part. Well, logistically, it's just a difficulties in the moment, isn't it? And I guess perhaps that's the perception we're supposed to get. Their backs are against the wall at the moment. Everything that could go wrong, I think, at this point is pretty much going wrong. Um, and the issue is that I don't think they necessarily have the forces to reconquer these places either. So it's not necessarily going to be an expansionist campaign. It will be a sort of war of attrition and kind of hanging there at the moment. Because the only other possibility as well is that the Dothraki could come in and kind of help them out because they need aid somewhere. Yeah. Now it's either going to be the Dothraki, the dragons or both because, because at the moment we're talking about what, why are the now, why are the Dothraki here? Because at the moment, if it pans out that Drogon just comes and saves Daenerys, then that's well, number one. We've already seen that. And two, it's mean in my mind, as you say, Danny's got to learn something from her journey with the Dothraki, otherwise it's a waste of time. Yeah. And it's just a waste of four episodes where apparently that's almost just another subplot whilst we wait for all the other characters to catch up on their storylines, yeah. which Game of Thrones has never been renowned for doing. They, if they do something, they usually have a purpose behind it. So I think something will happen. But all I will say is that the Varys and Tyrion, and, uh, you know, they're, they're in Marine, but... Every time they seem to take one step forward, they're always kind of taking another two steps back. Yeah. That's the issue at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we still got the whole thing, Red Priestess thing that's coming up in the trailer, that we saw in the trailer for the season that's mm-hmm. going to kind of throw them back as well. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll be see. interesting. But I agree. I, I hope it's not that. Then they, you know, they kind of just run away, but I'm waiting for there's going to be a break for at some point mm-hmm. i would hope so <laughs> i would hope so um let's let's talk about what's going on well at winterfell uh briefly uh the return of rickon stark and uh and asha uh and they are now in possession of ramsey bolton uh let's just get let's just quickly what was your opinion of uh of of this reveal of this scene I thought it was very shocking. It, it sort of came out of the blue initially. Didn't think 
Oh, yeah, I just yeah, didn't think about Rickon, to be honest. <laughs> I've almost forgotten about him, you know? We hadn't seen him in as many seasons as I think we've seen Rand last. But actually, even longer. I think the last time we saw him was at the end of Season 3. So that was a while yeah, back. that's a long time but, ago. <laughs> yeah. So I was a little bit surprised to see him there, but it was a good surprise. It didn't feel out of place, which is the important thing. Yes, he looked like he'd aged a lot, but he was only a small child, so I can kind of go with it. Um, but I'll throw the question to you, not just how, how do you feel about the scene, but you know, what are your predictions now about it? Yeah. The Stark is in, is in the hands of Ramsay. What's Ramsay's play here now? Because I don't think he's going to just do what he's done to others, like you know, Theon. I don't think he's going to like try and flay him or um, you know take a piece off him. I think he's going to use him as a political oh, absolutely. tool. A- absolutely, I think this is what's going to lure John to Winterfell. I mean, Sa- Sansa left. Sansa, Sansa got out, and looks like she's going to get to the wall just a little bit too late. In a classic Game of Thrones fashion, nobody can ever sync up their schedules. Um, but uh, she, she, um, she's left. Uh, so, you know, she doesn't need rescuing or anything at, the, at this point. Plus, she's got, she's got Brienne now. So she, she's good. Um, I, I imagine that, some, that she will learn somehow that, that Rickon is there, probably through Littlefinger. I mean, let's, let's be honest. That's probably how it will happen. Um, and when that happens, she will either have already met up with John or will meet up with John and, uh, you know, convince him to get back into the fight. And this is what will draw him out of, you know, this, um, existential crisis that he's having (laughs) and he will, he will lead the assault, uh, by the wildlings and perhaps the men of the night's watch, perhaps he'll go back to Ed and say, Hey, can you lend me a hand? Uh, and, um, they will invade Winterfell and to, to overthrow the Boltons. And once that happens, you know, John will maybe understand his place in the world a little bit better. And then hopefully by that point, Danny will be ready to show up with her dragons and we can, uh, we can begin the end game, whether that is in King's Landing or beyond the wall or wherever. Yeah, exactly. So we've got a, an interesting little subplot now, which as you say, may well, convince John to go to Winterfell or Sansa as well Uh Um, but as ever another factor in this whole North story um, is is obviously the little finger angle so it'd be interesting to see how this all kind of fits in together yeah because he's I mean he's a character we haven't seen at all this season you know he's been kind of conspicuous by his absence in a way yeah exactly and so which means he's probably up to something yeah that's the that's the little play with Littlefinger, it has to be said. Yeah. But um, I think another scene that we haven't quite touched upon, I don't know if you're going to do it next, was the whole Sam Tardy yeah. scene as well. Um, I know it was only a little brief scene, but I'll ask you the question this time. Um, they're going to a play. They're not going to Old Town, are they? They are well, going. Well, Sam's, Sam's going to Old Town. Sam is going to, to study at the Citadel, but. The, the but, no, but what I mean is, they aren't going to Old Town. Well, he's he is eventually, but they're going to Horn Hill, or he's yeah. taking um, Gilly and the baby to Horn Hill. Yeah, where um, and where kind of he, giving them to the, his family in order to keep them safe. Yeah, he's kind of doing the um, 
the uh, he's he's dropping them off with Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru kind of thing here. Yeah, he's got to drop off Gilly. Um, I, you know, this scene I think is maybe one that that could have been saved for an, another episode when, um, when they were ready to do more stuff with Sam and Gilly. You know, when when that story was a little bit more ready to. To, to move along it, it, it was a it was a check-in and like i said at the top I, I love these characters i think they're so um both of them are, are such fun characters and i love i love seeing them on on screen so i'm, I'm never going to complain about about seeing this uh about this scene but it, it it did feel a little bit out of place like it was just setting up something that we're going to see next week or the week after and and it maybe could have been saved although we had gone a long time without seeing these characters so it was nice it was nice to see them again yeah. And are you concerned about the safety of Gilly and the baby uh, when they go to Hornhill? Well, I mean, when that, they get there, that is the question. And Sam, actually. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Sam's father, not a not a good guy, not a good guy. That so that's that's the question. Um, I think I think it won't be a, a, a nice reunion between Sam and his father, but I don't think. Um, Gilly and, and, and little Sam have too, too much to worry about in the immediate uh, with uh, Sam's family. You know, he mentions his mother and sister are kind. They will help her. Uh, they will help Sam, uh, Gilly and the baby. And, you know, she'll just kind of have to deal with his father. Yeah. Although the dad is still the ruler of that place. That's true. So what he says goes. That's true. Yeah. He, he may, he maybe, man, maybe he'll throw, he won't even let them Throw into them in his a dungeon. Home. Yeah, maybe he'll. Get... <laughs> There's your home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and yeah. on top of that, who's Sam going to bring back with the, with him? From his perspective, a wildling. Mm, yeah, ooh. it's not very noble, is it? Yeah, this is going to be a part of a noble <laughs> royal family. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough uh, a tough reunion for Sam and his family. But you know, I mean, that just shows how how much he cares for Gilly, right? That he's he's willing to mm. go through this. Um, insane reunion uh just in, in the hopes of you know keeping keeping uh, her safe her and the her and the baby safe uh but let's let's move on let's talk about uh king's landing and uh and what we saw and, you know we were talking a little bit earlier about varus and, and his little birds we actually learn what the little birds are this in this episode they're children that that varus bribes with uh with candy uh which is uh, uh very creepy isn't a little, it really a little bit creepy a little bit creepy and, and a bit and, like uh, the um child catcher from chitty chitty bang bang <laughs> oh my god <laughs> he's yeah but you learn like learn that varus has got like a white windowless van that he just parks outside the, the playground yeah, um ugh. yeah yeah hmm. yeah maybe we uh, that that's that's okay, how can, that's can we how change far, our perspectives yeah, on that, Horace that, now that's again? How far, <laughs> that's, that's how far we can go. We we found the line. We've we found the line and we've we've crossed it and, and now we can safely cross back and never cross it again. Um but we, we do see uh we do see Kyburn uh giving uh, giving uh the, the, the little birds that he's giving orders and, and so we, we actually learned a little bit about what's going on and, and that was uh you know that's probably something that will play into the rest of the season, but I thought that was a that was done well to to set up this um, to set up uh, this plot line. You know, unlike say the the Sam and Gilly stuff, which felt like we were just kind of dropping in with them for the sake of dropping in with them. Um, this felt like you know this was you know we dropped in in the middle of this scene and we saw 
what was going on here. And then Cersei and Jaime and, and um, the Mountain showed up to uh, to move on to the next scene. So it, it, you know, it wasn't like we were dedicate we dedicated a whole scene just to learning about the little birds, um, which won't be which won't play into the rest of the episode. We we that was almost like a little prologue to to the real scene, which was uh, Kyber and Jamie, Cersei, and the Mountain going to the small council. Which um, wow, that was uh, that that was that was a pretty that was a pretty tense scene. I I, um, I I thought that was really really well done having those guys show up and and the tension and and Kevin and and all those folks uh, and 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 then Picel and 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 Olena. It's always great to have Olena there and um, uh, Mace Tyrell. All of them uh, basically get up and leave when when uh, Jamie and and Cersei demand to be a part of this meeting. And you know Jamie has the you know he has uh, the right to be there, I suppose, as the uh, head of the King's Guard, but Cersei doesn't have a, have a role there anymore. Given that she's now she's the Queen Mother, she doesn't have a, uh, have a, have 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 any have any role that, have any uh, real role there. So uh, you know it was uh, it was a it was a really good scene, really great uh, bit of tension. You know, Jamie and Cersei, they they talked about it in that first episode. It really is them against the world at this point, and. Uh, that's where that's where what, what, what did you think of that scene what did you make of uh of uh jamie and cersei at the small council meeting i always enjoy the small council meetings i feel the power dynamics there they're used in such a physical and visual way particularly with that table and the chairs it's almost like making a political statement the way you know where people sit on the chairs the way in which they move the chairs and, and you know, the the fact that some people are standing, some are sitting down. It's weird, but it, it kind of represents the dynamics in terms of the, the, the main political uh, individuals in, in the realm. So that was quite fascinating. And the fact that, of course, Cersei and, and Jamie came in and once upon a time they would have been, they would have had the chief seats on that council. But now they sit down far away from all of the main power players. And then as soon as they sit down, the main power players just stand up and, you know, Kevin, Elena, Mace and Pycelle, they stand up and walk off. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care about their opinions. Although I have to say that Pycelle scene where he, he let out that little fart was <laughs> one of the funniest scenes on Game of Thrones. Yeah. And I think he's going to die a horrible death at some point soon. <laughs> the way that the, the um, I'm kind of surprised uh, he's still around. Yeah, I mean, but the way the mountain looked at him, I was like, "That's not good." <laughs> he he's <laughs> he's in his bad books. Yeah. Um, but you know what was also interesting? I feel like there was a bit of foreshadow. I could see a sort of a sort of red wedding type scene with the council when Kevin stood up and he said, "Well, you know, I'm not going to stay here. We're going to leave unless you're going to have that thing kill us all." And I was thinking. Hmm, I wonder. Maybe don't put that thought in their mind. (laughs) No, I I think that could be a big shock, but I could see that happening. What do you think, or do you think that's going a little bit too far? That that would be really interesting. You know, it depends on how desperate um, Cersei and and um, and Jamie get. And I mean, the other factor to keep in mind here is Tommen, and how will he react to this? You know, how how would he react to something like that? But I could definitely see that being the way they go. I didn't think of that when you mentioned in, until you mentioned it just now. But that would be an interesting way of, of, of dealing with this situation because 
you know, Jamie and Cersei, they've got enemies. You know, they used to be, you know, like you said, they used to be the, the guys. They were the top people and, and nobody could touch them. And now they've got enemies at just uh, all around them. There's the, the Sparrows and the High Sparrow. There's the, the Small Council, which is basically turned on them. And then got there's Dorn. Dorn, yeah, the, the, the threat coming from Dorn. So they, they really are on their own island at this point. And, and they're going to have to uh, either they're 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 going they're going to make some kind of play you have to imagine some kind of play for power and you know they've they've played the game and and like cersei says when you play the game of thrones you win or you die and and i have to imagine it's going to blow up in their face i love the little elena line though in this scene when cersei elena was like we need to do something we need to you know do something to get the queen out and, and all of this stuff and Cersei was there saying, oh, you know, I kind of appreciate your concern. And then Elena had to highlight and the fact that Cersei is the queen mother. Yeah. And she's not the queen. You know, almost saying, like, if you've forgotten that it's your fault that she's in there in the first place. You know, you know, Elena's got no reason to love Cersei at this point. Mace Tyrell hasn't. Pycelle doesn't really care. I don't think that much. And Kevin, of course. He's looking at Cersei and thinking, well, look at what you've done as well. He's looking at it from his more political stance, but he's thinking, look at the mess that's been made here. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. But, but then let's 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 talk about um, real quick the other aspect of um, the King's Landing storyline, which was uh, Tommen going to have a conversation with the High Sparrow. Uh, which mm. you know he walks in there trying to be all like uh, Joffrey esque you know, demanding uh, respect and, and um, fear from the High Sparrow. And the High Sparrow just, like, puts him in his place. <laughs> he just, like, he plays the old man card and he gets, he gets, uh, he gets, uh, he gets, um, gets the sympathy, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets the sympathy. Uh, what did what, you think of that scene? Oh, that's such a Tommen thing to do, really, wasn't <laughs> it? He just walked in there and you're thinking, oh, is, is he going to show a bit of backbone? Yeah, the High Sparrow was the—he was the power player. He was the chess master in that whole scene. He knew what he was doing. He was the assured man and the wise, as you say, playing the wise, benevolent old man who can't walk that much. You know, he—he he, he has to take a seat, and then he convinces Tommen to sit next to him. Um, and he played on it though, didn't he? So well, the reference to the mother. You know, the fact that the the mother god who's come from this world, and the fact that she's embodied in Tommen's mother and the fact that's one of Cersei's redeeming qualities was again highlighted but the whole time of that scene was going on in part I was thinking Tommen you have no backbone but the other part I was thinking is that uh, maybe I read these lines so much but this whole mother aspect here keeps being reiterated It's, it's kind of been emphasized throughout this season and the back end of last season, something's going to happen between mother and son there. I don't know if it's going to be a confrontation, but more likely, based on the whole vision sequence that we saw at the be- or the flashback of uh, episode one of season five, I'm pretty sure that something's going to happen to Tommy and, it, and it's going to have s- something to do with the High Sparrow and, and, and the Faith Militant. Mm-hmm. What do you think about how that scene played out? What and you know the dynamics there we talked about it last week didn't we about the the two pillars of the church and the state 
how interesting in this scene it was kind of a microcosm of the conflict between the two entities yeah yeah absolutely yeah we we, we do see well we see now that like cersei and jamie are fighting both pillars right they they they're fighting the state with the small council and they're fighting the the church with the the sparrows and you know i mentioned earlier that it seems like they're going to make some big play and it's going to have to blow up in their face well you know we see uh lannister soldiers outside the the sept in the the trailer so that uh, not not for next week but just for the season so you have to imagine that maybe there's some kind of a, attack that's going to take place and uh, you know to to make a, a breaking bad reference you know in the um mid-season finale of season five i believe i think it's the mid-season finale but but walter basically orchestrates this mass killing of of all these witnesses in prison uh, and, and you could almost see something like that play out where Jamie and, and, and Cersei try to take out all of their enemies in like one swift stroke. And there could be like a Red Wedding-esque situation with the small council and, and the, the mountain just wiping them all out. Uh, but, and, and while simultaneously there being some sort of attack on the, the Sept. And, you know, Jamie threatened the High Sparrow last week. And the, the, Sparrow, the High Sparrow said, yeah you could kill me but all these other guys would kill you um so now if they march there with an army then it's a little bit more of a fair fight and even and then it's not really a fair fight because the lannister soldiers have armor and better weapons and you know the sparrows are just you know in bathrobes with sticks basically <laughs> i mean that's what it looks like um so it, 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 you have a situation maybe where that they they try to simultaneously take out those two pillars that um or those two, mm-hmm. the, 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 the people that represent those two pillars or, or take out the pillars themselves. And perhaps they do. Perhaps they kill all the small council. Perhaps they take out the high sparrow and the sparrows. But in the, the, um, this, this battle or this, this riot or fracas or whatever you want to call it, in the chaos, Tomlin goes down. And then the question, raises, the, the question rises of who does the throne, who does the power go to? And people have said basically the next person in line would be Danny, <laughs> which, which yeah. would be interesting, and and maybe that's what will happen. And you know, King's Landing could just descend into chaos. I think end. that's what's got to happen. You think I so? think that is the spot. It, it probably will happen at the end of the season, but it's got to go down in King's Landing now. There's got to be a reason for some other force to come in there and kind of restore stability to it. Uh-huh. It's almost hitting that point. But the way it's going, it is so close, I think, to all crumbling. And, Which, you know, you say that the high militants that doesn't, on its own, looks like they've got these wooden sticks against a massive Lannister army. But if they're aided by the population of King's Landing, I think suddenly it becomes a more 50 oh, yeah. 50 than, you know, we, we could wind probably up 75 25 to the Lannisters. It, it would not surprise me if, if we wound up with anarchy at the end of this season in King's Landing. Which, I mean. Oh. You look back at season one, King's Landing, where it, it was, you know, it was this representative of uh, of high culture and everything that's good in the world. And, you know, Sansa wants to live there and she feels so at home there and, and all this stuff. And, you know, to then see how it's how slowly as, as the seasons have progressed, we've started to see more and more of the the underbelly, the 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 poverty that exists and the, the crime that exists. And, you know, the high sparrow has been talking about it. You know, the, the, you are the few, we are the many. And in, I, th- I think we are in for some, some serious anarchy in, um, 
in in King's Landing with with Jamie and Cersei responsible for it um even if that wasn't what they were hoping to achieve and that yeah that would open the door for a, a certain uh, blonde bl- blonde woman and a black-haired curly guy uh or black curly-haired guy to uh march in and say hey I, we we could probably fix this, and uh, we'll we'll make. Although they're better. not the only forces, though, are they? No, that's true. Got Dawn, Dawn, yeah. You still got, you know, I'm saying Littlefinger because you just don't know what this character's up to. But yeah. you know, there are the King's Landing is going to be an interesting battleground. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's what it's going to end up being. Yeah, and well, I mean that that raises the other question of, I mean. I keep forgetting about Dorne because it, it, you know, it's it is it's been pretty forgettable. Um, but you know, what where do they fit into this? You know, it was brought up again, wasn't it, in the episode? Uh-huh. They kind of confirmed that the Sand Snakes had overthrown, yeah, the, the Martell dynasty. Yeah, so that I mean, the question is, how how are they going to play into this? What are they going to bring to the table in this, um, you know, dismantling of King's Landing, basically? we'll find out we'll find out uh and finally i think this is it i think this is the last place this is the only place we haven't been yet uh and that is bravos where uh, mm-hmm. uh, aria uh gets the the training montage in the um <laughs> uh, the house of black and white I, I even saw some some people had like set it to the music from rocky and, and stuff <laughs> it was it, it was pretty good um and she's going through uh, you know physical training where she's become, you know, sort of learning how to use her other senses, becoming very, um, daredevil ish. Uh, but also she's, um, you know, taking the, you know, the becoming no one, you know, a girl has no name, all, all that, but she's being questioned about the list. And, and currently the list is Cersei, Gregor and Walter Frey. And I'm going to guess she only gets one out of out of those three i think cersei's going down some other way i think gregor's going down some other way but i bet Arya could could get uh walter frey um but she also reveals that and this is this is more so than her getting her eyesight back because that was just like like john snow coming back that was a given that was going to happen at some point um but the the big reveal is that when she left the hound to die she had removed him from her from her list and that raises the question, why? Not why did she remove him from the list, but why did she leave him to die? That is the interesting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the thing is with the Hound, he's an interesting one. I, The way it ended in season four did not seem like closure. It no. didn't seem like the Hound was gone forever. It seemed like that was the implication that's what the audience was supposed to think they were supposed to think that he was going to die but we would have seen it confirmed so i'm pretty sure we're going to see him at, maybe not this season but next season well, we're I mean, going to see him at some point i believe even if it's just his body in the ground somewhere but it's been hinted at again in this episode something's going to happen i reckon yeah yeah, I, I, it's a it's a situation where you know, looking back on that scene, you know, she leaves him to die, but she doesn't actually kill him. So I think there's the there's the thing about the list, right? You know, she 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 really she couldn't help him. You know, there was nothing that she could do conceivably to help him. 
So she, she just left him. And, you know, maybe her silence when she leaves him is, is her dealing with that fact. You know, you know, the fact that, you know, she, she can't help him, but she, he's not on the list anymore. You know, what is she, what is she to do? And, and so he, she leaves him to die. And, and yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I, you know, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if the hound comes back. And, and uh, I, I read a really interesting theory about this, about how this could play out. But I, I won't say it because it, it might just get a little too spoilery because it, yeah. it gets into some book stuff, um, which I think we'll show, have to talk off air about which this. the show, <laughs> yeah, which the show didn't deal with. Uh, so I, I, we won't we won't talk about it. But it, it, it definitely uh, it, I, I could see the hound coming back and, you know, I would love to see the hound and Arya together again, but that probably won't happen. Um, because they, they, those two were, were, were so great. And um, Maisie Williams and um Rory, what's his name? <laughs> I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, they they had such great chemistry together, and and so, uh, uh, but yeah, that's a character I hope to see back. Um, and the other thing that happens is, like I said, she does get her eyesight back. Um, after she basically, I guess she convinced Jacken that uh, to to buy into the fact that he uh, that she is no one she he, she finally got to that point or got to a point mm. and i you know I, I still don't think she actually i think she's fooling them i don't think she's actually she actually believes what she's saying i think she, but she, i think she has fooled them i agree but it's interesting because in spite of the fact that she may be fooling them she's learned a lot oh yeah I and mean, that's evidenced with the montage yeah from where she was at the beginning and from the beginning of the season to where it looks like she's got to now. Now she's got her eyesight back with the skills she's learned from when she was blind. You know, they're not going to go anywhere. You know, her skills aren't going to go anywhere. Then I think she's a threat. She's a force to deal with now. And she's just going to wait for that right moment to get out of there. And I think the fact that she's put away Needle is symbolic of the fact that although he keeps asking the question, who are you? And she says, I'm no one. You just can't believe it, can you? Yeah, yeah. She, there's, there's more. There's more to be revealed there, as there are in, uh, in all the storylines. Uh, so now, b- before we go for this week, we're just going to take a, a quick look at, at what's to come next week. We've got the preview for episode... Four, titled Book of the Stranger. So let's take a listen to that. Sansa has escaped Winterfell. She won't be safe with the Boltons after her. I risked everything for you and you betrayed me. I'm sorry. Stop saying that. Marjorie will repent her sins before the city. That cannot happen. I agree. When does she return? Soon. The Temple of the Dosh Kaleen. That's where they'll have taken her. Yeah. Some uh, some some big big things happening next uh, next week. Um, first, the very first shot seems to be Sansa, Brienne, and Podrick arriving at at the wall. <laughs> so, like I said, I just missed uh, the resurrected Jon Snow. 
just missed him by that much. Uh, but we do get a look at Littlefinger with uh, Robin Aaron. So maybe he will be taking the Knights of the Vale out, uh, out north to help Sansa. Uh, and perhaps to fight alongside with uh, John and the Wildling army. That could, be, uh, that could make for some, some interesting uh, drama down the line. Uh, we see Theon reunited with, with Yara. So yeah, forget about my theory last week. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, he goes home. He he goes back to the Iron Isles, um, and and that that uh, I am looking forward to that reunion. I don't know what that's leading to, what we're expecting from that, but I I, I am looking forward to that reunion just for the interpersonal drama. That should be very very mm. interesting. Uh, and then we see in um, in King's Landing, uh, uh, basically Cersei. And and Olena going back and forth on what will happen to Marjorie, and and they both agree that she cannot be allowed to basically do the walk of shame uh, like Cersei did. So that that, but I, you'd have to know that Cersei that both of them really are playing playing the other. They're not. Yeah. There's no way they're working together towards the same goal. They're all they are trying to to come up with something else. Uh, and then we see a quick look at Marine, where we look looks like we'll be seeing some representatives from those other cities or um, or something. Uh, Tyrion talking to some people who want to know when Danny will be back, and uh, we see her still with uh, with the um, th- with the widows and uh, Jorah and Dario seem to be uh, on the trail. Hopefully, um, like you were saying earlier, hopefully things will pick up there. Uh, and uh, and yeah, that's uh, wh- what are you hoping for from from next week? What are you looking to see? I'm maybe a bit surprised in this, but I'm looking forward to seeing the stuff in King's Landing. Actually, uh-huh. I, I I think stuff is really gonna kick kick off down there sooner rather than later. Um, you know, we talked about how coy the show has been in releasing content for season six. And because we've seen the whole, you know, army at the base of the Sept, I think that will probably happen sooner rather than later. So this whole conversation, I would not be surprised if it leads into that at the end of the episode. But we shall see. Um, yeah, that and obviously Littlefinger for me, who's still one of the most interesting characters. And we haven't seen him at all this season. So I'm really intrigued to see what his play is going to be about. And uh, we saw... Um, one of the Lords of the Vale in the trailer as well. Can't, yeah. Do you remember his name? I don't remember his name. I can't remember his name. <laughs> that guy. But uh, he's one we've seen before, <laughs> yes. um, a regular one. But, you know, he, he kind of was looking not so happy about whatever was being said. Now, of course, the shot could have been taken out of context, but it almost looked like he was unhappy with the direction that Littlefinger was taking him on. So we'll have to wait and see how that's all going to pan out. Um, but I almost forgot about Robin Aaron, to be honest. Yeah. I forgot that he's still around. <laughs> But anyway, what about you? What are you most looking forward to next episode? What's the storyline that you want to see well, progress? I, 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 you know, there's a part of me that's just looking forward to the to Sansa getting to the wall and, and realizing that John isn't there anymore. That you know, that's a very Game of Thrones thing to happen. Um, but I, I am looking forward to seeing where that goes. I've been really enjoying that story this season, uh, even when it is just uh, just uh, check-ins like we got last week. We didn't get any of it this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to Littlefinger, like you said. That should be uh, that should be very very good. And as I mentioned, Yara and Theon, just for the interpersonal drama, and you know those two have a weird history together, 
And, uh, you know, she went to rescue him and she could have rescued him, but he didn't want to go with her because he was Reek at the time. And so uh, things are things should be very interesting in the Iron Isles. And, and uh, I think we're in for another great episode next week. And uh, we'll be back then to talk about it. That'll wrap things up for this week. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Before we go, just time for final thoughts and score out of 10. So, Kieran, I'll throw it over to you for final thoughts. Final thoughts for this episode. I said it from the top, really enjoyed this episode. It wasn't the best episode of the season. I agree with you, Dominic, that I think last week's episode was the best. But it continued a number of stories on in a very interesting way, actually. Um, I think the main storylines I really found entertaining were the, the the vision scene, including the vision scene with Bran, um, as well as the Winterfell stuff and the Jon Snow stuff. I think Jon Snow was probably the main crux of this episode. And it's interesting, really, isn't it, that I think in all of the episodes this season, the stuff at the wall has actually started at the beginning and back-ended it as well. Yeah. So <laughs> there seems to be a kind of parallel there. Um, I don't know whether that's telling us how important the wall is, but I think it's partly why we think the stuff that's going on the wall has been going on very quick. It's because they've actually been given a bit of screen time compared to some of the other storylines. So that that was very interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I think as well, just the stuff in King's Landing, how that's progressing. Yes, I had my criticisms about the, the, the Daenerys storyline and... Um, and a little bit of Marine as well, kind of looking to see how that's going to progress. Kind of agree with you a little bit as well, Dominic, about the whole shoehorned element with Sam. But then again, I did really enjoy that scene as well. I think it was good to kind of check in and see him. We hadn't seen him in a, in a very long time. So all in all, I'm going to give this episode a 7 out of 10. I think it was a solid episode. Carried on the story well. Had the shock value with Rick on Stark being revealed. And as well, the the... the you know the Ned Stark scene so overall very happy with it what about you Dominic yeah. what is your thoughts on this episode score out of 10 yeah I would uh, I'll, I'll give this episode a 7 as well I thought it was a, a solid episode uh, not my favorite either but a, but a good one another uh, good installment in season 3 season 3 for the most part moving at a, a, at a good pace uh, a better pace than season 5 to say the least um, and, and I really enjoyed the John stuff. Uh, really, uh, that 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 really was the the, the, the best uh, best part of the episode. Uh, but also I enjoyed seeing a young Ned Stark. Loved the stuff with Bran and the Three Eyed Raven. That stuff's been really great. Uh, Varys uh, was fantastic. Tyrion, uh, Peter Dinklage, just chewing up screen time like like a champ. Yeah, that guy is so good. That guy really is. One of the best actors, not only on the show, but one of the best actors working today, and 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 just about every uh, every plot, with the, perhaps the exception of of, of the Danny stuff, has been uh, been moving at a good pace, and everything feels important. Uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing where things go next week in Book of the Stranger. So we'll be back next week to talk about Book of the Stranger. We hope you will join us then. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are aware of the iTunes issues and we will be doing our best to solve it uh, over the next week. And hopefully uh, hopefully, when we come back to talk about Book of the Stranger, we will have good 
news for you then. Uh, in the meantime, to keep up with us and, and everything that we're, uh, that we're doing with, for the show, uh, the Facebook page is the best place to do it. Just search for The Watchers of Westeros on Facebook. Uh, we, we, that's where you find links to all the episodes uh, going back to Season 5 and even a little bit before that. So uh, you definitely want to check that out. And we're also post, we also post uh, some fun stuff over there. Uh, that we come across. I just during the show, I, I stumbled across a little video of uh, the the fight between Ned Stark and Arthur Dane redone with lightsabers. So I've shared that on the Facebook page. If you want to see that, check it out over there. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, just search for the Watchers of Westeros on Facebook or search search for it uh, on Twitter at uh, Watcher Westeros. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, those are the best places to keep up with us. Like I said, hopefully we will have the iTunes sorted out for next week. Uh, Kieran, do you want to let folks know what's coming up on Expression FM this week? Yeah, busy stuff of Expression FM. I'm going to have my final exam done on Friday, so it means I can actually um, do a lot more planning for some of the shows that I'll be doing on Expression. I say this unofficially but obviously this has been recorded now so i guess you could say officially <laughs> but um the, so i have a show every tuesday from 2 12 till 2 even i mean there, there we go it's, it's been a long evening folks um so it's just a, a standard daytime music show play the latest music in the charts look at the soundtracks which are moved up in the charts with the highest uh, on a week by week basis um, and I just kind of chat about current affairs and things like that. So that's kind of my show on Expression FM. And as I said, every Tuesday, 12 till 2, of course, this is UK time. So just bear in mind that um, you're probably still going to be in bed. Or if you're waking up in the morning, maybe it's a good thing to listen to. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's completely up to you all. Um, other than that, I think Expression has just been same old, same old. I'll tell you how you can get in touch. Then the way you can get in touch is by going to our website. Website is www.expression.fm. You can also like us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is www.facebook.com slash expressionfm. And our Twitter page, which our Twitter handle is at expressionfm. So that's all I've got to say about that. Dominic, disclose and and. and Tell us what's coming up on the Star Wars Underworld. Yeah, Star Wars Underworld. If you like uh, Star Wars talk, uh, we reference it a lot throughout this show. Uh, but if you like Star Wars talk, talk uh, search for the Star Wars Underworld on, on iTunes. That show is there. Uh, or go to StarWarsUnderworld.com. Uh, we record new episodes each and every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on channel 1138.com. And then release them on the iTunes pretty much immediately thereafter. Uh, this week we'll be talking lots of uh, lots of Star Wars video game news. Um, a new Battlefront game was announced this week. Uh, some updates about uh, some of the other games that are, that are in the works. Disney Infinity has been cancelled, which is uh, which is interesting to say the least. And uh, also, uh, plus uh, we got some Star Wars Celebration updates and all kinds of other fun stuff. So you'll definitely want to tune in to that again Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Channel 1138. Dot, uh, dot com or on iTunes and StarWarsUnderworld.com the next day. Uh, and we also put out a, another episode of our award-winning Live from Lothal. That's our Star Wars Rebels discussion podcast where we looked back at Season 2 of Rebels uh, as a whole and, uh, and and shared our thoughts on that. So uh, you'll definitely want to check that out as well. It's on the same iTunes feed. 
Uh, so that'll do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about Book of the Stranger. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. I never know how to end this ep- this show. Goodbye. That's it. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs>